Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Clearmotive Marketing. Thank you to my business partner, Chad Croker, and the entire team who worked tirelessly behind the scenes to make this show a reality. As a founding partner at Clearmotive, I'm excited to announce the official launch of our industrial marketing system. As a company with 15 plus years of experience with a variety of clients in nearly every sector, we identified that industrial manufacturing companies were underserved. You have unique needs, and we have developed a unique skill set to help you succeed. If you build and sell a product that helps other companies, we have developed an industrial marketing system to get your highest priority product in front of your ideal customer profile in less than eight weeks. Gardner recently reported that your buyers are 87% of the way through their buying process before contacting your company directly. That means it's never been more critical to apply the right marketing process to create and close more deals. Our three-stage industrial marketing system helps you shorten your sales cycle by using modern marketing tactics designed specifically for your industry and more importantly, for the way your clients like to buy. Stop sitting on the sidelines wondering which part of your marketing is working and put a system in place that makes it easy for your most valuable prospects to find you and get excited about your solution to their challenges. To find out more about what ClearMotive's industrial marketing system can do for you, please check us out at www.clearmotive.ca slash IMS, or better yet, open up your email and contact me directly at tyler at clearmotive.ca, T-Y-L-E-R. I'm excited to chat with you and put a plan in place to get your most valuable leads contacting you and not your competitors. Hello and welcome to Clear's YYC Follow the Money Investing with Purpose, a show where we have real conversations with people who are driving change in our community. And I have a change driver on the line with me today, Crystal Phillips. I'm really excited to have you on. Welcome, Crystal. How are you? Oh, thank you so much. I am doing great. How are you doing? I am wonderful. It's Friday morning in Calgary. This will air sometime in the future, but it's a, a 23 degree feels a little bit like summer kind of day. And I wouldn't be Canadian if I didn't bring up the weather in, in some way. And right now I'm enjoying that. I'm with left the house this morning with a t-shirt on. I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? I said to my wife, summer's better. Summer is just better. <laughs> Life is easier. So I'm going to embrace that fully. But enough about me and my weather, my weather fetish. Uh, health lead and community manager at Thin Air Labs. And we're going to, we're, this is an episode to follow the money. So we're going to talk about investing. We're going to talk about the world you see, but let's give the audience a little bit of a window. Tell us about a little bit about your role, a little bit about who you are and kind of how you fit into this, into this world of venture and early stage investing. And then let's get into the, the heart of it. Okay. Sounds good. So, um, 10 years ago, I don't think I ever saw myself in venture capital to be honest, but so I have a bit of an unconventional background. Um, I, I, my, my career started as a, as a speed skater. That's my education. Um, that's where I learned so many of those valuable life lessons, career lessons. Um, at the top of my skating career, I was diagnosed with MS. Um, for those who don't know it, it can be a pretty serious, aggressive disease. I had a very aggressive onset of the disease when I was a teenager. And very long story short, um, the good news story of being diagnosed with MS is I was able to see firsthand both the conventional and unconventional healthcare systems, which I navigate. Um, to get to a, a, a program for myself that really helped me not only get back to an elite level in sport, um, but healthy and relapse free for I think 13 years now um, since, um, and I was diagnosed in 2005. That's so I'm, I'm saying all of that background because it gave me this really unique insight into the healthcare system, um, led me down a path to starting a charity that uh, I raised money, millions of dollars to fund research into some of the unconventional approaches to healing neurological disorders, as well as the innovative tech. And we were funding research in universities across the country. And I saw so much innovation and so many amazing researchers that have the 
IP commercializable opportunity. So it was kind of a natural step to then look at beyond academia. How can we make human impact at scale? I love when you can look back and it makes perfect sense, but at the time it was just another step forward. You know what I mean? <laughs> Being yeah. respectful that sometimes you're like, wow, that I really get how I got here. But man, when I was heading in that direction, it was this intent versus that. Something I want to unpack just because I think it might be relevant when we start talking about investment opportunities. When you say conventional versus unconventional, like those are nice big broad headings, but from an audience perspective, what, what, what would fall under each? And I think it might be relevant because when you talk about investment and real opportunities to change the world at scale, those buckets probably probably play a big factor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think simply put is it's, it's a lot to do with whether it's pharmaceutical or non-pharmaceutical and it's not an anti-pharma approach by any means. It's more a matter of, okay, the pharmaceutical industry, they have a sustainable way to fund the R and D and there's a lot of resources Mm -hmm. for that funding. When we look at the unconventional or non-pharmaceutical approaches or a lot of the innovative tech, there is no sustainable funding model and we need to put just as much resources there because there's just as much potential, if not more potential, to um, to therapies and preventions and ways to improve the health system. Thank you so much. That was hugely because I would, I, that's not how I, I hear unconventional. I start going way out on the fringe. And I'm like, what are we talking about? Herbal medicines, trips to the Himalayas. Like, what are we talking about here? But primarily, but I really like what you said about they have a built in funding model that's through cycles of patents. And we've got this drug that's in market and we're going to use it to fund the next set of research. But for non pharma based, there's probably a huge gap. And I've had some guests on the show talking about just funding a biotech and what that looks like and the crazy, like, worth nothing, worth nothing, worth everything. And, you know, all the milestones that, that are required. So from a yeah. Thin Air Labs perspective, obviously there's a there's alignment for you. Talk to us a little bit. I've had James on the show talking a little bit about your investment thesis and like how you do and, and, and how you invest money. How do those two things tie together? And also clearly, how did you find yourself there? Maybe a little bit more in the, in the backstory side. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, the investment thesis, you'll probably have heard James say this, and we often sound like a broken record when we say we are founders first. Uh, Without founders, we have nothing. They are the heroes of our story. And we also are found, both James and I are founders ourselves. So we have that deep empathy and understanding. And also- You've been in the trenches, literally. (laughs) Absolutely. And, and, you know, it takes one to know one. So we know how to identify (laughs) a true founder and, and, you know, the skill sets that are required. And I see a lot of of actually parallels between elite athletes uh, and entrepreneurship, as well as uh, researchers and scientists um, having worked in that world through the Branch Out Foundation. Uh, I love the I love that comparison of yeah you're, you're running you're running a ra- you're running a marathon that just keeps getting extended every time you think you're getting close to the finish line. <laughs> I think that's a nightmare somewhere in there of like we're almost finished. Nope, no, nope, we're going back at it. So yeah. talk to you me get a little really bit about comfortable fail- failure. Yes, that's for sure. failing forward and all those catchy buzz phrases. But if you're not oh, surrounded thanks. by an ecosystem that supports that, they are just that as buzz phrases. You actually have to make that real, and supporting you know the psychology of going through that and making sure there's enough gas in the tank, aka, AKA funding. So what are you seeing like you? been in this role for a couple of years, specifically at, at Thin Air Labs. The last three years feels like a decade. I don't even know what the what the ratio is anymore of six months of COVID was really six years in normal. Like it's kind of like no, dog years warp. or human years. I know completely. 
I have no concept of time, but how have you seen, and specifically talking about Western Canada around you know the kind of companies you talk to, what's happening? Good momentum, positive, is funding starting to show up in the space? What are you seeing? Kind of what gets you excited? And at the same time, maybe what gets you frustrated? I, I always want to make sure we talk about both sides of the coin. <laughs> yeah, no, good point. And, and there's a lot to be excited about. I feel like it's our not so little secret in, <laughs> in Alberta and the prairies. Like this, this market is emerging five years ago, completely different story. But I think as systems, uh, organizations beyond academia start emerging, start to grow, start to uh, ripen, I... Hmm. I see this confidence building amongst the entrepreneurs and the innovators in this ecosystem. And so they see a soft landing after academia, um, beyond high school, and they know that their ideas can actually be funded and be surrounded with support uh, amongst the community, not just one entity. So uh, we're starting to see a lot of growth and like I said, it's it's a completely different story than five years ago. And I think it's going to be a different story five years from now. So anyone who's listening now, you are in the front lines. You have a front row sh- ticket to the emerging market and access to the early stage deal flow that it are going to be the unicorns of the future. And they're, I mean, let's face it, entrepreneurs, small businesses, they are our future. They are going to, um, they're going to create what, what is next. And so um, that... Uh, that's exactly why our tagline is building what's next. We could literally just stop the podcast right there and everyone, everyone would leave going, wow, I feel pretty good about this whole this whole thing right now. Uh, you talked, <laughs> yep. you touched a little bit about both, kind of the, the inputs and the and the outputs. I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, but you know, we need the funders, but we need the entrepreneurs. How, what's that look like? How balanced is that? And, you know, and I'm asking that a little bit of, of, of a leading question in the sense I've had other people on the show, they're like, yeah, the funding model is getting better, but a lot of companies still have to look past our borders. They have to look outside the province to be able to find that funding just because it's still kind of new. It's not kind of new. It is It is new and it's emerging, as, as you said, which means yeah. sometimes we're not comfortable putting money in in the way that they are in other markets where they've seen multiple rounds of build cells and exits and they've got a bigger unicorn story, specifically in health. So out of those two things, if we put them on the scale, do we have more founders than we have funders? Or is it like, where do you see that kind of tipping point? Yeah, it's a good question. I... I I would argue that we have more founders than funders locally right now. If we're talking Alberta, um, I, I often have the question of, okay, that's great. You're building this fund. Is there enough deal flow? And I'm like, deal flow. Like that is the least of my worries. I feel like we have to pick (laughs) our favorite children at this point. Like there's so many incredible, um, options out there and I wish we could fund, um, even more than what we can right now, which is why we're raising a fund so that we can, we can take advantage and, and, and make sure that all of those incredible people are well-funded and don't have to leave uh, this province or city, let alone this country. What a shame considering all of our, you know, non-profit government funding has been like billions of dollars poured into the R&D and our academia. To lose that to the states or somewhere else is, is really a shame. That's interesting. Yeah, to hear you say that. Well, just to touch on the, where are you guys at with your? Because you're raising fund one right now, and like, yeah. can you give us an update? Like, where is that sitting in terms of the progress versus? I know, I think it was a hundred million dollar fund was the target. I think again, I talked to James a while ago, and I know these things can shift and move. So maybe <laughs> can can you give me an update? I'll stop talking. <laughs> well, if you talk to James and I, we're both probably the most competitive, and so we nice. still have our eyes on the prize of a hundred million dollars because again, okay. we see the potential, the opportunity, and the deal flow, and, and there's more than enough for us to raise a hundred million dollar fund, um, and, and access incredible deals. 
we're, we're, we're going to, uh, we just completed our first close of the fund. So we're about a quarter of the way to our goal. Okay, and nice. awesome. the, the cool story of that is, is most of those uh, investors and LPs are actually local. Ah, that's what I love because I've heard too many stories of companies trying to raise money and quote unquote not even getting a call back from a Calgary investor. I've got a couple guests on the show recently. They're like, I would have loved to have had a Calgary investor. And these were more established kind of tech oriented companies. And they both had to get money from Toronto, New York because Calgary wouldn't. And these were not startups. These were more established businesses, which would some would say would be slightly less risky from the perspective of a, a net new idea looking for market fit versus no, we've been around for 40 years and we're just evolving with tech. And they both had the story of having to get their capital from somewhere else which kind of bums me out a little bit <laughs> technical term. yeah it is a bummer yeah. i'm like yeah i was like oh come on that's not cool because i know the money's here i can look out my window and see it moving around downtown basically so, i know i always go riding like just west of the city and i see these like huge mansions and stuff and i'm like come on there's so much <laughs> i know you have it i know dust off that under that that, that shoebox under the bed um so for you guys when you're writing checks and you're thinking about because you're very you're in the early stage so talking about the types of companies like getting a little bit more specific so the kind of companies that yeah. you you know, so we've got more founders and funders. So if you think about even the last half a dozen founders that you chatted with, where were they in their cycle? Like still ideation, we've got market fit, we need to scale. Like what are you seeing or kind of what's what's getting on your on your desk when it comes to like the real thing? Yeah, so we we're we're big fans and and experts in that early early stage investment. So even if it starts with that idea, you know, if they've got a strong founder, a big idea, a path to market, um, we will look at them super early, all the way from idea to seed will be our first check. Okay. And then we'll make follow on investments up to series A. Okay. And what would be like, can we, can we get into check size? Like that's the, sure. yeah, the, like what would be, what would be a small check or what would be, you know, something that you guys, yeah, no, we'd write a $50,000 check or a $250,000 check. Cause I'm also hearing that's the biggest gap in the market right now that we just don't have enough of those small checks. We've exactly. got the 2 million to $5 million checks a little bit more covered, but on the lower stage, uh, everyone's saying, I just was at a panel yesterday and they're like, if we fill that gap, it'll change our stars in like 12 months or less kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, we were at different panels last night because we were talking about the same thing. Okay. <laughs> and Okay, um, so, so there's a theme. There's a theme floating around in town. There's definitely a theme. I was with UCEED and Halo Health and okay. Thinner Labs, and we were talking about that gap and how the three of us are working collaboratively within the life sciences sector specifically to mm. fill that gap. And our check size, I mean, it, it depends on what's best for the founder, what's best for the company. Of that course. can be just a $50,000 check all the way to a $1.5 million check. Okay, so really 50 to 1.5. We're just going to put a set of, you know, bookends on or guardrails on it for the sake of the conversation. Well, so you've really got brand new, bring us your ideas on almost on the back of a napkin kind of thing. Like don't, don't yeah. not bring us those ideas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And you know, if it's, hmm. if it's a, it's a no now, it might not be a no forever. So we have a pretty unique ecosystem studio model at Thin Air Labs because we have our venture capital uh, team. And then we also have, experts within the startup ecosystem and uh, they know how to build a company at that early stage and they are just um, they access non-dilutive funding they help go to market strategy validate products and um, and then help companies scale so and i also appreciate very much there's 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 you know teaching to fish or giving a fish you're you're providing funds or putting fuel into the tank or whatever runway, but you're also providing some expertise. Because I've talked to a lot of founders they are like, I can find money, but I need so much more than that. I need yeah, relationships. Exactly. I need introductions. I need, don't step over there because there's a landmine because I stepped on it 
five years ago when I did my startup and exactly. making sure. And it, it feels like from chatting with people that we're starting to get a little bit more of that in Alberta, where a few years ago, there was a lot of founders like, I just need more mentors. And there isn't as many people, quote unquote, like me who have exited a couple of years ago that I can turn to and say, hey, how did you do it? <laughs> or what or what should I not do? And what should I do? Yeah, exactly. No, it's it's nice to be able to work with them early. And, and that's why we invest uh in Calgary and Alberta and the prairies, because we like to stay close to these mm. uh, these early stage ventures. They need a lot of support and help. It's inevitable that they're going to have gaps. So as opposed to looking at that and, and judging it and, you know, questioning their their viability and, and potential, it's more a matter of how can we help? And also, what are the, the common needs that startups have and how can we build that within our team to help them? There, there, are, there are patterns that emerge, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So talk to me like maybe, and you don't have to name names or you certainly can if you want to showcase. Talk to me about the last kind of two or three deals that, that, that actually you guys decided to go forward with. Because I can only imagine there's the funnel is wide. You know, you got to talk to 100 people to get to 40, to get to 30, to get to one or whatever the number might be. So even the last three, from what stood out for you or what made those investable opportunities from the perspective of you guys sitting with the purse? You guys, well, I have the funds. I have 100 companies to choose from. To your point, you can only choose so many. What were some of the differentiating factors that made those like green lights yeah so uh something that's exciting about this fund right now especially for new investors who are interested in, in coming on board is that we're not starting from zero we have 20 companies that um, james has already invested in that will be rolling into the fund so we now are seeing some of those companies that are up for refinancing or subsequent rounds and they're maturing and growing and we were we've been able to see their momentum we've been able to see them fill those gaps or help them fill those gaps and now they're moving up and ready to scale so our last three commitments has after have actually been um, refinancing those those companies oh, and also syndicating deals and finding other strategic investors to join their team and and mentorship groups and boards and all that. So it's really exciting. And um, if you go onto our, our website, you'll see all of the, the companies that are already in our portfolio, but mm -hmm. some that are, are top of mind and, and recent is Arbor. Arbor is a, a, an incredible company. I think the average age is like 23. Um, <laughs> and You're making me feel are... old, Crystal. You're making me feel old. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> I swear they don't know who like Alanis Morissette is. It's really sad. Um, oh, you got to be careful with pop references when you have your young team because they look at you like, what? what, what, what? I'm like, oh, no, okay, sorry. I just did a, just an old person thing. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. But they're, they're incredible. I mean, they're, they're on trend with the way of the future of companies. I mean, they're filling the gap with ESG reporting, which most companies are starting to uh, mm -hmm. require, require that, that, that reporting. And what they're missing is the tangible data and having a data-driven approach to how they do that ESG reporting. So they have this large da data set that looks at the environmental sustainability, the supply chain, uh, product source, everything that creates an impact out of a company. People want to invest. They want to buy from companies that are making a difference in the world or at least not extracting um, in yeah. this world. So yes. Arbor is ahead of the game. They've got big companies from around the world um, that are have their eyes on, on their company and they are ready to scale. So that's a super exciting one. And they actually bunk in with us at the Thinner Labs office. Um, they're, they could probably even hear me do this podcast. They're so okay, close. That's awesome. um, so it's really fun. And, you know, we'll see the, the founder and he'll be with his team um, 
you know, as the as the CEO running his company, and then he'll come over to the thinner lab side, and we see in his face kind of the ups and downs that he goes through. And sometimes he just needs a pat on the back and be like, "You got this. Keep on going." And he's like, "Okay," gives his head a shake, and then goes back, and he's CEO of the company again. So he's got back to got the sport that. analogy. You go to your coach, you got to shake it off, and you go back out on the field. <laughs> totally, yeah. yeah and yeah. he has someone to kind of sit on the treetops with him, which you know, being a founder is a lonely place, and so um, having the ability to kind of be really close to him just from the emotional support can be really helpful. So uh, not, I don't want to not, speak not, on not, his not, behalf. Not, but. not to forget that we are still a bunch of humans having a messy experience. And sometimes <laughs> you just need a hug. <laughs> Seriously. And, and, however yeah. that, and however that shows up. Because you're right, it is a lonely yeah. road. And when you're when you're building something and you don't have a playbook and people around you, like you're building something new. That's a real, that takes a lot of guts. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, I might be projecting, so he might have a different perspective, but... <laughs> That's okay. You've got the microphone, so it's, it's, yeah. it's all good. You, you are the de facto expert. And yeah. something you said about, you know, as, as a company evolves and they, you know, uh, extra uh, additional funding rounds, what's, how collaborative is that? Like how easy, easy, quote unquote, is it for you to reach out to the community and say, Hey, we've got a great deal. We're the lead investor. Who else wants to jump in on this? Cause I've heard, and that surprised me in a positive way. I have how collaborative that, that actually can be at those early stages. When you get up into series A, more series B, a little more competitive, bigger numbers, companies want the whole pie. Have you found that to be true? And again, not to project my answer, but I've heard that from a lot of people. And I love to think and believe that it actually is true, that it is that collaborative at those early stages. Yeah, so I, I think what we're getting right in the ecosystem right now is we have not just this, you know, winner takes all, mm. someone trying to play God, <laughs> um, you know, and, and it has all I have the all, It's like a Hollywood, a Hollywood version of VC investing, right? I have all the power, totally. bow at my feet, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and again, back to the sports analogy, I can't help myself, but people ha are, are, have that relay team mentality. They know their mm. strengths, they play their strengths, they build networks on on either side of where they have to take the baton from and where they pass the baton to um, because they know that to go from ideation all the way to making real impact at scale and commercializing, changing IP, all, or sorry, changing policy, whatever it takes to get to the finish line, um, it takes a lot of what I call unlike minds and you can't be everything to everyone. So you need to build those relationships. And I think, you know, Calgary is one of those cities that does handshake deals. Uh, we're a bunch of cowboys and cowgirls at heart <laughs> yes. and that creates a culture that is trusting and I think that's uh, a, a real advantage for our ecosystem. I do believe it's one of our superpowers. People are like, oh, it's kind of like that in other places once you get to know people. I'm like, I don't know. I've lived other places. I think Calgary still has a special sauce. I think it's one of our superpowers. I, I believe that 100%. <laughs> Agree. Um, you made you made a quick comment, something and you said in passing that I want to pick on. The word policy and policy change. Life sciences... If I'm a, if I'm an entrepreneur and I want to do a tech, I want to do a startup of some kind, I feel like I'm picking a bit of a more challenging road to go down life sciences because I've got regulatory, I've got safety, I've got health Canada compliances. I'm not saying that's not a pro those aren't problems worth solving, but it feels like there's some extra layers of complication versus I'm going to do go do the next best tech startup that's going to revolutionize the way big companies do their accounting. There, oh, sorry, I shouldn't pick accounting because there's regulatory there too, but people's lives are on the line, I guess is what I'm going to getting at. How much more tricky is it to go into that space knowing that you've got this whole other set of parameters that might feel outdated or might feel 10 years behind what's actually on, should be in the market to actually help people? How much is that a factor for consideration when you're looking at these different opportunities? 
So when you're on the outside of the life sciences sector looking in, it's, it can be quite intimidating. And there are a lot of crazy stories out there of, of, of venture capital in the life sciences and all of those hurdles that you have to go through. But keep in mind that we have subject matter expertise in this city um, mm, that okay. is you know, not intimidated by all of those hurdles that are inevitable. I mean, this is not the first time that an ecosystem within the life sciences sector has been built. So that expertise is around, it's available, there's a Zoom um, capability now, so we have access. And in fact, going back to your other question about um, companies that we're really excited about that we've recently reinvested in is Cyantra. And Cyantra is a blood test to detect early uh, breast cancer. This is a life-changing, multi-billion dollar potential company built in our in our city, but recruited from the States, which is a great, great story. Oh, to show oh, that, I, like, I, I don't want to lose talent, but I love that if we go and steal it and bring it here, I'm okay with, I'm okay with that first of the story. Especially this kind of talent. I okay. mean, um, Tina, one of the found, co-founders and Bob, the other co-founder, they came from the States. Tina was a, an elite athlete herself, a gymnast. She just has that kind of mentality. And when she didn't see the ecosystem as mature as she needed it to be for her company, she literally just built it. Like she founded the Biohub, which is basically a co-working space for the life sciences sector specifically. She's building a community so that she can help fill all of those gap gaps, similar to what Thin Air does to fill the gaps at the early stage for a growing company. She fills those gaps for early life sciences companies. So we work really closely together um, we helped found Biohub. I sit on the leadership committee and there are regulatory experts that are at your service as a Biohub member. So we have you know, gotten ahead of those inevitable challenges and people can have the comfort that um, even if they don't know the, the complicated pathways, know that the experts are actually local and they're here. And, and if they're not here, they're accessible. I love stories like that because it makes me go, hmm. Okay, I need to do more in my life. <laughs> Took that down. Because that's so inspiring when you're someone like, well, we didn't have the ecosystem we need, so guess what? We just built it. Like just that's built the gumption, it, yeah. that's the grit. I was watching some TED talk the other day about what, what really determines like success down the road. And that's why I love your, uh, your athlete analogy. It wasn't intelligence, wasn't money. I think most of us have seen that, this TED talk. It's grit and the ability to push yeah. through and the ability to have resolve. And nobody better to do that than specifically people who've performed at a high level athletically. Because running a startup, yeah. raising money, uh, selling, into a new market, changing the way something has been done so it can be done a better way. Man, if that if, if that doesn't take grit, I don't know what does. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And not to make both of us feel worse or anything, but um, <laughs> Tina I'm inspired. I'm like, inspired, Crystal. I'm inspired. I'm going to go. I'm going to choose inspired. I'm going to choose inspired. Well, they have both grit and intelligence because I mean, they're like PhD professors at the university. So okay, like, okay. Okay. Rub it in their faces. <laughs> I mean, like I'm definitely brawn over brains, but um, they've got both. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I know who my next guest is, or my next target guest is going to be on the show. I'm going to get you to introduce me to, to Tina. Um, I know yeah. we've talked a lot about the positives, which I, again, I'm inherently positive. I wake up positive about Alberta. That's the theme of the show, but I also like to have real conversations. So what are some of the things, and if, if I'm a startup founder and I'm listening, what are the, some of the things that make no's too easy? And I, I'm saying that a little bit tongue in cheek, because if yep. it's easy to say no, man, there's maybe something obvious that could have been done differently at that startup or at, for that founder's perspective is if you're, this is maybe a little bit of a cheat sheet, but what are some of the things that you would say, hey, get this, this, and this on track? Because unfortunately, that'll cause us to say no, even if we don't want to. Yeah. Okay. 
love this question because it's super important. And again, within our labs, it's never a no permanently. It's uh, most likely it's no, not yet, unless they just don't fit our investment thesis. But right. to the founder specifically, um, someone I recently met with, they have this great innovative idea. They're a subject matter expert. They're building a product. Um, it has all of this possibility. But when I started to ask the questions of who's your customer, how does it, how is it adopted? How do patients respond to this or clinicians respond to this or care partners? Um, that's when things started to get a little bit blurry and, and some question marks started to pop up in their brain. And so, um, Jim Gibson, one of the um, one of my personal mentors, he has a line that is is so relevant to this situation. It's it's focus on the innovation of things as opposed to the innovation of ways. And I think you need both. You might have the innovation of a thing, but if you don't have a way to get that to market and have adoption at scale, then that is just an idea and it won't go anywhere. So that was one of the recent ones, and I'm hoping that we can work with them um, to help figure out the pathway to market and and make sure that their an incredible technology and product can actually uh, make that impact that they could that it has potential to I really I really appreciate that answer I had uh, I had a chat yesterday with Kalea Carrington who's just a powerhouse in her own right and she talked to us she said, Tyler I fell in love with my solution I didn't fall in love with my client's problem and until I did yeah. I couldn't I could sell it to the executive as a great idea but the team on the ground that actually had to use my heater at the airport they just wouldn't use it because I didn't make it easy for them because I didn't understand their needs and she goes that was my sounds so obvious to say it in hindsight but at the time I was never going to get anywhere until I really fell in love at, at that at that level I just appreciated fall in love with the problem but fall in love with the problem from your customer's perspective not your perspective <laughs> yeah exactly and you know to that point you sometimes meet people this is actually quite rare but every once in a while you'll meet you'll come across someone and and they're really keen they're you know fresh out of school and they want to be an entrepreneur <laughs> and so they just build a company but there's no real passion behind solving the problem or actually building the company there's passion about them being on stage and being an entrepreneur and a founder of a company. And so they've been sort of sucked into the rom rom romantic concept or idea of being a founder of a company. And let me tell you, um, it is, it, it's not as, as peachy as the, the article that some people read, uh, make it, make it out to be. Uh, Crystal, we're not going to get in. We've made age jokes already. I'm not going to get into how old you are, how old I am. But when I was younger, being an entrepreneur was not cool. That was like, you were yeah. kind of going to like, oh, you can't make it in the real world. You're going to be an entrepreneur. But we've glamorized yeah. it in a way over the last few years. And I've had a few people yeah. come on and say, wow, I thought it was going to be different. I kind of bought into this story that's been glamorized by the, I'm a you know, university dropout and now I'm the youngest billionaire. And like we glamorize that in a new way yeah. that I think can be a little bit detrimental because it doesn't tell the whole story. <laughs> it tells a very narrow, what do you mean? Yeah. Well, media doesn't tell the whole story. What? <laughs> <laughs> the best education is just watch Silicon Valley. <laughs> I've watched like, a couple episodes. It's like, oh, this is this is so silly. It's it actually it must be real. <laughs> it is so accurate. I swear. It's like when the whole team is is celebrating. You as the founder are stressing about the next hurdle that you're facing. 
Uh, yes, yeah, so not, not the glamorous of like, oh, I, I can, you know, I, I've made, I've quote unquote made it and kicked back on the beach. But I really like what you said about falling in love with that and that sense of purpose. And so question, and you know, this is uh, follow the money, investing with purpose. It's great to talk about the nuts and bolts. How much does purpose, and you just touched on it, so I'm assuming, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm baking in my answer already. How much when you sit down with a founder and you sit down and you hear their story, how much does that purpose that you hear, especially in the early days when you don't have maybe product market, if you have an idea, is purpose really one of the, is that a defense? differentiating factor for whether it's going to, you're going to continue having conversations with that, that, that group of individuals. Yeah. And it speaks to what we were talking about before the, the, the entrepreneurial journey. It's really hard. It's gritty. There's a lot of failures along the way. And so if you don't have purpose and passion, um, the chances of you persevering and getting over everything are a lot less than if you do have <laughs> that 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 almost like psychotic drive <laughs> where you don't see brick walls, you just see hurdles and you figure out how to get over them. And so that's a huge um, piece to the quality of the founder and their capability mm -hmm. to run this company and sustain themselves. Through the days when it, the, 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 the glamorous highlight moments are few and far between, but that ability to do it because you love it, and which again, love tying back to the athletic. athletic. There's a lot of training sessions you don't love. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> if they're actually effective, you probably Most. hate them and you hate your coach and hate your trainer at the end. <laughs> yeah, but you do Cause also- Because they, they push you to that, um, to that You start to, that to develop almost like this sick, sick addiction to that pain. Like I always I always talk about, you know, hill sprints kind of, they hurt so good. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, it, you definitely uh, develop that muscle, if you will, of, of, of being okay and comfortable with that discomfort and knowing that it, it's necessary in order for your, you to build capacity and progress forward. I think, what is it, Navy SEALs embrace the suck? Or that's, that's something I've read yeah, somewhere. Something yeah, something along those lines. Yeah, yeah something <laughs> along those lines. Wow, we're really, we're really putting a shine on it, aren't we? <laughs> Uh, Crystal, thank you so much for your passion and like love your energy and love how committed you are and, and so much of your own motivations come through in the, in, in the way that you share your answers. My favorite question or one of my many favorite questions, I love all questions, but magic wand. I'm giving you the magic wand. You have all the power to change, to, to make more, to make less, to knock something out of the way, to build something up. It's your magic wand. So now that I give it to you, you can kind of do whatever you want with it. But when you think about our ecosystem in Calgary or more importantly, Alberta, it's hard. We're, we don't live in an island here. I do focus on, on our amazing city, but I love the province that we live in. What would you do with your magic wand this is the easiest question i've ever heard <laughs> nice <laughs> i have two answers do it one mm -hmm. is any investor out there who wants to be a part of this ecosystem system they invest in thin air labs we have <laughs> a team <laughs> we have a team of expertise to de-risk the investments and we also have access to all the deal flow and we have a reputation in this in this community of of leading in with our founders and truly understanding their needs and understanding their pain points and working alongside with them to get to that finish line of of big success and global impact and um, human impact at that that's the first thing um, the other one is for any of the innovators out there with an idea, with IP, with a great technology to have the confidence that the community is ripe and ready to support you and it's time to commercialize and build your company. Uh, Crystal, those are very, um, I do appreciate a well, a well-organized guest you had your answers tight. <laughs> you were ready to go. And, and I told uh, you it was easy question. I mean, I, <laughs> 
Well, I love it because I, I never know the answers I'm going to get. You're right. It is one of those questions that it's it's not hard, but it can absolutely go anywhere. I love both those answers and both of them, if, if, if happened, would create some significant forward motion and some impact in our city. So what's the best way? Obviously, thinairlabs.ca. Go check out your website. You guys have some great information. It's easy to navigate. Lots of, lots of cool stuff on there that tells the story. And you've got some really cool logos on there of companies you work with if people are looking to <laughs> check the credibility box. There's a little bit of a who's who going on there, which I love. Um, if someone wants to get a hold of you or have a chat, what's the best way for them to reach out? Yeah, so go on the website. I think my my email or one of those chat boxes will come. It'll come get to my inbox. Nice. Okay, nice. <laughs> yeah. The contact Techno- page. Technology yeah. will conspire to, to put us to put us in contact. Yeah. And uh, I'm also active on social media and check the messages in there too. LinkedIn, um, Instagram. All, all, all of the, those yeah, two. if somebody wants to get a hold of us these days, it's rare that there isn't some type of avenue out there. To, 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 exactly. To yeah. The problem almost is we have too many avenues, but that's another, that's another problem to solve. I like, <laughs> I like LinkedIn for this and Instagram messenger for that. And then da, 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 da. Anyways, that's too many ways to communicate. What's the myth? What's the, what's the biggest myth of communication is that it happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Crystal, it was amazing chatting with you. Love to get to know you a little bit more. It's fantastic. And congratulations on the amazing work you guys are doing. Thank you so much. Exciting, exciting future for us. Oh, it's, yes, it is. For, the, for all of us in the city, it's fantastic.